this. Um, you know, we wanted to do this uh, sermon series on the Holy Spirit, and we feel like it's a long time coming. Our churches to be very, uh, almost all about the Holy Spirit. We're just very like, woo, and Mina would like, you know, cry, and ah, we would all fall down and, and giggle and do all that. Um, but then we've had this season of kind of this tumultuous season, and uh, when we looked at our church history, we felt like there was a lot of just like a, 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 a mixture of, uh, of, of things that God did, but also things that man did. And we feel like there were seasons where we actually try to force the Holy Spirit into a box. And we wanted to say, like, Holy Spirit, you're like this. Holy Spirit, like, we want you to do this. Um, and uh, we feel like we wanted to take a fresh look at who the Holy Spirit is. And last week I talked about that he's a person. Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it. Right? It's a Holy Spirit. He's not like a percentage of something that you can get from the atmosphere. It's not like this influence that's floating around, you know, like the New Age people. Like, whoa, you know. He's a person. He exists, right? Um, he has personality. He has feelings and emotions. He can be grieved. Um, he, has, he has an intelligence. He has a mind. And he, I also talked about that he's God. Right? He is uh, the third head of the Godhead. You know, he's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he is God. He's, he's not like just a, a, a piece of God that we can have, right? We think that Holy Spirit is like, oh, we just have a, a piece of God. No, he is God. And he, he is God that chose to come to this earth and, and, and remain in us. He take residence in us, right? He is the Holy Spirit. And we have the whole Holy Spirit in us. It's not like we get a junior mint version of the Holy Spirit, right? We don't get like a piece of the Holy Spirit, like, oh, we have his toe. And I have like, you know, part of his, you know, Holy Spirit's toe in me. Or, no, we have the whole Holy Spirit. The, the Spirit of God abides in us and remains in us. This is the amazing thing about who the Holy Spirit is. And we have to really know and understand who it is for us to be able to, um, you know, like be in tune and, and to do what he wants us to do in our lives. So, you know, Jesus says that, in, in, he said that it's better for I that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come. Right? Why did he say this? Well, imagine if Jesus Christ didn't leave the earth. Right? Imagine he died, he resurrected, now he has his glorified body, he's conquered death, so now he lives forever. But imagine if he just remained on this earth, and how would we talk to him? Right? He would only be in one location. He would probably be in Israel, you know, in Jerusalem somewhere. And then there would be like millions of people around them. Imagine all of the people that wants to talk to God. Right? They would make their way to Israel. So if you wanted to talk to Jesus, you'd have to go all the way to Israel, get a plane ticket, get there, and you'd have to probably wait in line uh, in front of maybe thousands, if not millions of people that want to talk to Jesus. And you would only have this, this short moment of time with Him, and then the next person would want to talk with Him. And talking to Jesus would probably be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity if he did not go. Imagine. He's not like, he's not like a, a superhero. I don't know. Is there a superhero that can be like become like a thousand people? In my, I don't know. There's, I saw an X-Men movie. This guy would be able to like replicate himself into like 20, 30. He's not like that. He's a human being. He became man. And so he's still constrained by the, 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 the things of man. He can't be in like a, a, a thousand places at once. And so that's why he said it's... Better that I go so that the Spirit of God could come into it. Now the Spirit of God, right? He was at He was at creation. He was at the beginning. He is God, and He has He's exactly like. Uh, last week I talked about the the word alos in 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 Greek. Alos is uh, another of the same kind. Um, there's heteros, which means another of something different, right? So if I give you an apple, 
and then you want another one, and I give you a banana, I gave you another fruit, another of a different kind. So Jesus says that I'm going to send you another helper. Right? That word another means alos, and it means another of the same kind. And so Jesus is just like the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. He's the third person of the Godhead, and he comes to reveal Jesus to us. You know, somewhat, He's omnis- omniscient, omnipotent, and, and uh, omnipresent. He can be everywhere at once. He's in all of our hearts. Right? He is fully in our hearts, and he's talking to us, and he's revealing Jesus to us at all hours of the night. And there's times where I wake up in the middle of the night anxious. Right? You know, Nina does this weird thing where she just put her hand on my leg all of a sudden. I don't know why. Right? Just tell, and I wake up, and I'm like fully awake. I'm like, I, I, do you, are you guys one of those people where you're sleeping right when you're at the edge of sleep, and then when somebody wakes you up, you just wake up like that? And you're just fully awake. That's what happened to Nina. used to drive me crazy. And then there'd be times where she would just scream, I'm like fully awake. I'm like, what? Why did you touch me? And then she's just, just sleeping. And now I'm like awake in the middle of the night. And there's times where I could feel like Holy Spirit like wants to talk with me. All hours of the night, I can talk with him. And, he, and, and I can have a conversation. I can, I can tell him my fears, my, my anxiety. You know, there are times where I can't go to sleep and I just, I just pray. And I, I ask Holy, Holy Spirit, why can't I go to sleep? And he's like, I want you to pray. So I'll pray and then I can go to sleep. These are the things that we can do with the Holy Spirit because He is here and Jesus is now. Where is Jesus? He's at the right hand of the Father, right? So I want us to look a little bit deeper at, at, at the Holy Spirit and about His personality and about His characteristics because we are, we have to, if we're going to know somebody, we need to know what they're about. We need to know what they're about. If we're going to have a relationship with somebody, we need to know what they're about, right? I can't like, to start this relationship. I know nothing about this woman and I married this woman, right? There's, I got, we got to get to know who the Holy Spirit is. We have to understand Him in order for us to have a relationship with Him. And so, because He's a person, right, and, and we're to interact with Him, we have to know about Him, His personality, and what He's about. So let's take a look at the passage that AJ read today. It's a short one. It comes from 2 Corinthians 13, 11 through 14. Now this is uh, Paul giving his final exhortation, his, like, kind of like the benediction, his final encouragement to the people of Corinthians in his second letter. And he says, finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Paul's here. He's signing off to the Corinthians. He's like, all right, peace out. I, I told you everything that I need to say. You know, and he's encouraging them. He's like, you know, rejoice. Live in peace with one another. Restore one another. You know, kiss one another. I've, I've always kind of wondered what this holy kiss is supposed to be like. You know, I'm, I'm supposed to kiss you guys. And I know that puts some fear in your hearts. But, uh, and then he prays that God will be with them. That God will be with us. But we have here an insight into how Paul wants God to be with us. Right? He says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with us. Right? So we have to know that the grace of Jesus Christ starts everything. Right? We don't even get out the gate without the grace of Jesus Christ. It's the grace of Jesus Christ that brings us salvation. It's what he did on the cross. It's nothing that we do. You know, It's not all of the righteous acts that I do, all of the, the striving and the things that I want to, to do for God that it gives me salvation. It comes completely from the grace of Jesus Christ. So he's like, may the grace of Jesus Christ be with you. Right? It's a free gift. We put our faith in him. And then he says, the love of God. 
the love of the Father be with us. You know, God loves us, and He sent His Son to die for us. Right? It's that love of God, the love of the Father, that that brings us, that that sent Jesus Christ to us. Right? You know, fathers and mothers love their kids. I don't even have to spend. Like I know AJ and Shine, right? These are AJ right there. He's the one that prayed for us today. I know AJ and Shine, and I don't have to stay at their house 24/7 to know that AJ and Shine love their son Logan. I love my sons. I love Ethan. I love Ezra. But this is a pale representation and is modeled after the love of the Father, that the love that the Father has for us as children. And we think that like it's this love that I have for my kid that, that, that is like a reflection of, of what God's love is. No, the love that I have for my kid is just a pale reflection of what the love of the Father has for his children. And the love... It validates us. It establishes us in our relationship. Right? There's a very strong correlation between love and 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 uh, love and identity. Right? I don't know if you've been around people that grew up without loving parents or grew up without a father, but if you if you look at a lot, a lot some of them, you know, had great you know single mothers and they're they're you know they're on the right track. But a lot of them, when you look at people that maybe didn't have a father or had an absent father, uh, they they don't know their identity. They don't know who they are. And a lot of times they go after identities that they see in the world and they try to model their identity after these things that are found in the world. A lot of times they fail at it. And they end up people 30, 40 years old. They still don't know who they are. A lot of, I've seen a lot of men like this. Right? I've been around a lot of men like this. But children gain their identity from the love they receive from their parents. Right? That's why when we see a lot of these young people growing up, they really don't understand and know what they're about. But when we truly believe that we have a heavenly Father that loves us, that He is for us and wants what's best for us, we are His children. Right? It establishes us in our identity. Paul's saying, may the love of the Father be with you. The Father loves us. And this is truth. You have to know that this is the truth of God. Right? There are certain things in the world that we say is truth, right? In America, there's a truth, right? There's a lot of truth that the government gives you, right? If you're in America, right, you have you get arrested. Uh, that's happened to me before, right? Right? You have a right to a lawyer, right? That is a truth, right? Nobody can take that right away from you in America. I don't know about Korea and other countries, but in America, you have a right to a lawyer, right? That is a truth, right? That no matter where you go in America, you get arrested, you have a right to a lawyer, right? This is that's the truth. But there is a truth that God the heavenly like creator of the earth declares over us and says, this is the truth. I love you. Nothing you can do can make that not true. It's the truth. It's the love of the Father. And Paul's saying, may the love of the Father be with you. And then Paul says that the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us. So he sees Jesus Christ. He's, he's the grace of Jesus Christ. And then it's the, the love of the Father. And then he says, it's the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Paul identifies the Holy Spirit Holy Holy Spirit with fellowship and communion. The word in the ESV is translated as fellowship, and this is a very loaded word, right? Other versions call it communion. In the Greek, I think you've heard of this word before, but it's koinonia. Who's heard of that word before? Koinonia, right? You guys have heard it. Well, here are the definitions of this word that can be found in all of the lexicons and all the Bible dictionaries, and it's fellowship, companionship, communication, intimacy, 
sharing together, social intercourse, partnership, joint participation, close mutual association. These are the things that this word fellowship, right, is defined by. Now Paul tells Christians, may the koinonia, this fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. So in essence, it's possible for us to have the Holy Spirit because he's talking to Christians, but it, but not like actually have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that, and we're going to be talking about this later on, but the, because the Holy Spirit is a person, it's, it's, we can reject him. We can grieve him. Right? We, can, we, can, we can offend him. And, and we can ignore him. It's possible for us to have the Holy Spirit in us, but not be in this communion with the Holy Spirit. My kids ignore me all the time. When I tell, you know, when it's like, when I have candy, they're like, they, I have their attention like that, right? When I, when I say that, like, oh, let's go for ice cream, they're like, there's right there, like, all right, let's go. They're looking at my every move. Sometimes he puts his, my hand in my pocket so that I can, like, get money or something, right? He, they, they have their attention, but there's sometimes when I want him to do something, like put his underwear away, put it in the laundry hamper, or when I want to put his cup away, I'm invisible. I become invisible. When I want them to turn off the TV, I don't exist, right? They ignore me all the time. And in essence, we can ignore the Holy Spirit. We can ignore Him as a person and not be in this communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And so let's take a deeper look at this word koinonia, which Paul attributes to the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at some aspects of this word and some aspects of the Holy Spirit in the next few sermons that we're going to be preaching. And they are, we're going to write this down. It's first one is fellowship. The second one is partnership. The third one is intimacy. fourth one is transformation. And the fifth one is empowerment. And we're going to talk about the first two this week. We're going to be talking about fellowship and partnership. And then next time I preach, after uh, David Hall preaches next week, I'm going to be talking about intimacy and transformation. Intimacy and transformation, very important. And then Mina, after that, um, is going to be preaching on empowerment, right? empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Um, and I feel like that's going to be the best sermon out of this series. Now, let's talk about the first thing that we want to talk about today, which is fellowship. If you want a definition of fellowship, it means friendly, relationship, companionship. It means company and sharing together. Right? What do friends like to do together? Or what do you guys like to do together with your friends? You sit there and do nothing? No. You share together. You communicate together. You spend time together. You understand each other. Right? I love to cook. Right? People say that a lot. Some people say I'm a good cook, right? Who, who thinks I'm a good cook, right? right? Some people say I'm a good cook. Mina's also a good cook. Between the two of us, I think we both know that I'm better, right? <laughs> Mina's also a great cook. She'll make stuff, and I'm like, wow, this is amazing, right? But here's the thing. I don't like to cook for myself. Right? When I was single, I never cooked. I always ate out. I ate at the same fried chicken place so many times in one week that when they went out of business, he took me aside and said, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for coming to my store. We're going to be closing in February. We, love, we, we, we were very encouraged by your, your patronage. Please take, a, please take a special sauce on the house, right? I ate out all the time, right? I never cooked for myself. And when I got married and we started to have company, I started to cook, right? And I like to cook for other people. Right? 
out of the, I love making like pasta. I love making all these different kinds of things. But the thing that I love to make the most is brisket, right? Brisket, I love to make brisket because I believe that it is from the Lord, right? I make brisket on my roof. I have a, I have a smoker and I smoke my meat. And it takes me 12 to 14 hours to make one brisket, right? And uh, I believe that it's from the Lord because it's, it's low and slow and that's how God is. God changes us low and slow, right? It takes... For me to become the me that God wants me to be, it's going to take some time, right? I'm not there yet. I won't be there for another, like, you know. It takes a lifetime for us to be sanctified. Right? In the same way, I believe the brisket, right, when I make it, it's like something special. When I make it, I usually only make it when we have company, right? When people are coming, maybe from out of town. And then what I have to do is I have to wake up early in the morning and I have to go up and I have to breathe in all these crazy charcoal smell. My body smells like charcoal. My body smells like I've been like, you know, like sitting in an ashtray. I uh, uh, have to go up and down the stairs of our house over and like 20 times because the temperature will get too high. And I have to open the van and the temperature will get too low. So I have to add more charcoal. And I have to do all this and it usually takes me 12 to 14 hours to make one brisket. Now I do this not because, not just because I get to eat it, which is I love eating it, right? But I do it because we get to share in this company, right? When people come and we get to share this meal together, we get to break bread, we get to like be in each one another's company, we get to, to talk, we get to, to uh, really spend time uh, with his brisket and enjoy it together. And that's what fellowship is. It, it, it's communication, it's, it's coming together and it's sharing and sharing with one another and it's enjoying each other's company. And when we read the Bible and when we read about the apostles and the disciples of God, we see them in fellowship in this communion with the Holy Spirit. I want to read to you Acts 20, 22 to 23. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction await me. Now Paul is headed into Jerusalem. And not just once, but in city after city, Holy Spirit tells him, I want you to go into Jerusalem. And when you get there, persecution, suffering, and imprisonment await you. And when you get there, you're gonna, you, they're going to beat you up and they're going to put you in prison. If a friend of mine came up to me, right, and said he wanted me to go somewhere, but when, like say Jacques told me, came up to me, he's like, he's like Caleb, I want you to go to, I don't want you to go to my hometown, Victoria. And when you get there, they're going to beat you up and they're going to put me you in prison. I'll be like, dude, why are you telling this to me? I don't want to hear that. I'm not going to. Are you my friend? I will question our friendship, right? I will question if this real, this person really likes me. But, but what does the Holy, what does Paul do when he hears this from, it says in the Bible that he was constrained by the Holy Spirit. In other versions, it said, drawn irresistibly by the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit is basically telling, hey, you have to go to Jerusalem. And when you get there, they're going to beat you up, they're going to persecute you, and they're going to put you in prison. And what does Paul do? He goes anyways. Because there's a trust that he has for the Holy Spirit. He hears what the Holy Spirit is saying to him, and I'm sure he didn't enjoy hearing it at first, but he goes anyways because he has trust. He trusts the word of the Spirit. And my first point about fellowship, we're talking about fellowship, is fellowship involves trust. It's a trust that leads to surrender. Paul trusted in the Spirit to guide him in the right direction. Now, if a man told 
Paul to go to Jerusalem, if there was like some dude walking up to me, hey, I want you to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to beat you up and persecute you, I'm pretty sure that Paul wouldn't have given it much thought. But, but it's the Holy Spirit telling him this to him, and he trusts the leading of the Spirit. It's the Spirit of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, telling him. And Paul knew and trusted that the Holy Spirit would guide him and lead him. And he trusted him. Sometimes Holy Spirit will tell me to do something that I don't want to do. Who's had that before? He'll tell me, like, Kid, I want you to do this. I'm like, no. And I'm like, Ethan, when I tell him to do something, he's like, he'll, these days, he's at an age where it's just you could just see the rebellion in him. He goes, no. <laughs> like, go do this. No. Right? I just tell the Holy Spirit, no. And it's not because, like, you know, it, it ultimately in the end, I feel like, like the reason why there's this disobedience to the Holy Spirit is because I don't trust him. I don't. Try, I feel like I know better about what I'm supposed to do than the Spirit of God that created me and breathed life into me. The ones that set the moon in the skies, stars in the sky, that want, that knows each of us by name. There's this part of me that I don't. I don't trust the Holy Spirit, but I trust more that I feel like I know better for my life and what I'm supposed to do. Right? It's, it's this. There's this part of us that when we're not in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, we don't trust Him. I've had seasons like this where I just, Holy Spirit would like lead me into things and I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know if you're right, Holy Spirit. I doubt Him. I go, oh. like, I put Him in the back burner. Like, all right, let's uh, just uh, put that away for now and then we'll talk about, I'll pray on that, Holy Spirit. Right? But when we see the apostles from the early church, they trusted the Holy Spirit. They trusted the Word of God. They trusted the voice of the Holy Spirit. Fellowship means trust. And we see Paul, the kind of trust that would lead him to be the founder of all these churches, one that would spread the gospel through the nation. He'd be in prison, beaten, shipwrecked, and ultimately in prison. And, all, and he would become the writer of a major section of the Bible because he trusted in the Holy Spirit. He says city after city, the Holy Spirit would tell him, go to Jerusalem. Affliction and imprisonment await you. And he obeyed. Because there was a trust he had. For the Spirit. Being in fellowship with the Holy Spirit means that we trust him. And next, it leads me to my next point. Fellowship means communication. Who has a friend that you guys never talk to? You guys, you're friends, but you've never had a conversation together. It doesn't exist. And Paul, it says city after city, Holy Spirit just didn't tell him once, but he told them continually was in communication with Paul. Every city that he went to, he's like, oh, right, I want you to do this here, but you know what's waiting for you? You're supposed to go to Jerusalem, and you're going to be persecuted, and you're going to be put in prison. And he was constantly having this dialogue with one another. In Acts 16, verses 6 through 10, it says, and they went through the region of uh, Pi." Phygera and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak to a word, the word in Asia. And when they came, when they when they had come up from Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing into Mycenae, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, "Come over to Macedonia and help us." And when Paul had seen the vision, Immediately, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Because they're, wherever they're going, they're in constant communication. 
They're supposed to go into Asia. They want to go into Asia. The Holy Spirit says no. They want to go into Bithynia. And the Holy Spirit says no. And all of a sudden, Paul has this vision. Who gave him that vision? Holy Spirit gave him that vision. And there's this man crying out, come, come over here. We're in Macedonia. We need your help. And they see it as a, a vision that the Holy Spirit gave, that God gave for them to go into Macedonia. They were in constant communication with each other. Holy Spirit and the apostles. And, and, and you know, like, they needed the Holy Spirit to do ministry. They needed the Holy Spirit to, to do what God wanted to do. Right? Do you think that that stopped existing somewhere along the line? Do you think that because now we're modern-day Christians and because we have iPhones and computers and the Internet, that we don't need the Holy Spirit? Like, oh, Holy Spirit, we have this thing called five, the 5G network. I don't know if you've heard it, but it's pretty fast, you know? I think we could do this without you. No! We need to constantly be in communion with the Holy Spirit. Technology can re- can't replace Him. A lot of times we think it can. Because everything's so fast. Bam, bam, bam. I could talk to this person. But you know what? We need the leading and the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit. They were in constant communication with the Holy Spirit of God. A lot of people say, I don't hear from God. But I want to ask the question, are they trying to listen? Do they speak to Him? Do they ask him questions? Do they invite him into the conversation? Right. A lot of times we're like, oh God, why aren't you speaking? God, you know, like Father in heaven, speak to me. But you're ignoring the person that represents the Godhead that is in you, that wants to speak to you. We, we, don't, we don't create this dialogue with him. Fellowship is communication. Can you truly call someone a friend, but you never talk with them? Right? Some guys can do this, right? I can do this with, with guys. Right? Guys, r- right here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? No worries, right? Me and AJ, you know, we don't, you know, when we get together, we talk a little. But, but even guys, we, we still talk about sports, right? We still talk about fantasy basketball and fantasy football and all these different things because we need to communicate to be friends. I can't have fellowship with Mina without communicating with her. As a matter of fact, one of the most important aspects of our marriage and all marriage is communication. There are times when our marriage isn't very strong, and usually it's because of us, mainly me, right? Don't communicate with her. I just want to do my own thing. I just want to think about the things that I want to think about. I don't don't want to allow her heart, I don't want to allow her into the heart of, you know, like, what I'm feeling because, you know, like, I don't want, you know, I have all these walls up, all of a sudden I'm not communicating with her, and there's distance between us. We need good communication that leads to vulnerability in marriage, and in the same way, you need good communication that leads to vulnerability with the Holy Spirit for you to be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You know, you could talk to Him about everything that's on your heart. Do you know that? Yeah, you can talk to the Holy Spirit about all of the things that are on your heart, your struggles, your temptations, your suffering, your joys, your pains, what excites you, what worries you, what gives you anxiety, what, what the fears that you have in your life. You can talk to Him about everything. You can open this dialogue with Him because He wants to communicate with you. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, when I go, I will send you a helper. That word helper in the Greek means counselor. It means advocate. It means comforter, intercessor, strengthener, and one that stands by us. That is that word helper. And he wants to speak with us. 
not to us, but with us. A lot of people think Holy Spirit just wants to speak to me. No, He wants to speak with us. He wants dialogue. He wants relationship. He wants communication. He's our counselor. And He's available to us 24-7, 365 days a year, even on leap years. And He's free. Like who's, gone, who's paid for counseling before? I have. Mina has. A lot of our leaders have gone through counseling, and we pay a lot of money. In America, right, I wanted to do this counseling session in Canada, and I, it was like this Christian counseling, and I, I, I got an email back from him. I was like, what are your rates? And he's like, oh, we charge one. The, the lowest is $100 an hour. And I said, what? That is, that, you know, like, like, like if, I, if I need like six, seven hours, you know, ten hours of counseling, it's $1,000. Holy Spirit is our counselor, and he is free. I'm not, I don't. I don't knock, I'm not saying that we shouldn't get professional counseling. Professional counseling, right, there's a stigma that's been over the church, like, oh, we don't need, no, professional counseling is good. There's Christian counselors out there that are amazing, right? But we can't ignore the heavenly counselor that is within us that wants to speak to us because there are certain words that he has for you that, that can't be found in the Word. There's certain powers and there's certain things that He wants to do with you and release with you that some counselor that came out of some school cannot give to you. There's some, there's some levels and, 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 and transformation that He wants to do in your life that can't come from man. It can only come from God. He has encouragement for us that we can't get from anyone else. And He has direction for us that comes from the very will of God. This is what God wants for you. Some counselor cannot tell you that. Even if you give him $1,000 an hour, he can't tell you what God wants for you in in your life. It can only come from the leading of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to be in fellowship with him, we must be in communication with him. Are you talking to the Holy Spirit? Are 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 you asking him questions? Are you trying to engage him in dialogue? Because he's a person and he wants to. The next thing is fellowship means attention. He is always attentive to us. Because he's God, he can be anywhere at any time. Doesn't mean that he's, he's not busy. We think, oh, Holy Spirit, God, you're so busy. No, Holy Spirit is never busy because he can be everywhere at any time, all the time. I wish I had that superpower. I wish I could feed Ethan, Ezra, talk with Mina. Play PS4, watch a movie, write my sermon at the same time. That would be awesome, right? We can't. Holy Spirit can't. He could be anywhere and everywhere at the same time, and He is always attentive to us. He can never. He can't. He can't like like not be attentive because He resides in us. He's listening, and we are to give Him our attention, be aware of His presence. We are listening to Him, His leading. And we pay attention to him. Now, earlier in our marriage, I was really bad at paying attention to Mina. I still am sometimes. Sorry, my love. I was a single man for almost for most of my adult life, and I had not developed the skill and the patience it takes to pay attention to a wife. Right? Men in here that are not married, it is a skill, right, to pay attention to your wife. It does not come naturally. I guarantee you that. Jock, right? Does not come naturally. Like. It is a skill that we as men need to do. If you're not married, start learning, right? Test it out on your, pay attention to your friends. See how hard it is. It is very hard, right? 
And I didn't, I wasn't able to, like, there were times where she would say all this thing to me, and I would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she would ask me a question, I'd be like, what? <laughs> right? I had no idea what she's talking about. It's very hard. But we all want to be paid attention to, right? Everybody wants to be paid attention to. Have you ever said something to somebody, and then they just, they don't hear it? And then you say it again, now somebody else sees you asking that question, and they still don't hear it, and then they just, like, walk away? You feel dumb, right? It happened to me in bowling. I went, I'm in a bowling league, and then it's kind of loud in there, and then I have this new team, teammate, and I'm like, hey, what's up, man? Where are you from again? And he doesn't say anything. And then now this guy next to me saw me ask that question, and I asked him, hey, where, where are you from again? And he just gets up and he walks away. I felt so dumb, right? I was like, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, I wish you weren't here, because you just, and I, he just gave me like, yeah, he gave me that, like, but if we, we all want, we don't like it when we're ignored, right? We want to be paid attention to. And, and we have the creator of the universe, God, right? He wants to speak with us and He deserves our attention. Fellowship is attention that leads to quality time. When we are attentive to the Spirit of God, He will lead us into His presence and experience the things that He has for us. He has like, he has plans for us, right? I, I call it quality time, right? He has things that he wants to do with us. A lot of times when we're in his presence, we have peace. Right? Sometimes I have no peace, and then I go into the presence and I have peace. I have worries, but then they stop mattering. Anymore, right? I have anxiety, and it goes away, right? Sometimes he wants to, like, you know, love us. He wants to protect us. And sometimes he wants to lead us in adventure. Right? Holy Spirit has things that you want to do that will make your life exciting. Do you know that? I want to give you an example from the book of Acts. His disciples are scattered after the persecution breaks out in the book of Acts. Philip finds himself in Samaria and he's preaching the gospel to the Samaritans. All these people are being set free. Demons are being cast out. People are being healed. People are being saved. They're having this crazy revival meeting. And all of a sudden, an angel comes to him and says, hey, I want you to go south. And he gets up and immediately starts going south. And then he says, he says, rise up, go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert. And the Bible says, he immediately got up and then went. And there he finds the Ethiopian eunuch, right? He's in charge of the treasure of the Ethiopian queen. He's in charge of the, all of the treasures of the Ethiopia, you know, was, wasn't always like the, the, the poor country that we see it as. It used to be like an amazing country, right? With wealth and riches. And, and he had the, the, all of the riches... Uh, the treasures he was in charge of the of the Ethiopian queen, and he, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and 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 return and seated on the chariot. He was reading from the prophet Isaiah. He's reading uh, the book of Isaiah, and the spirit said to Philip, he, he sees this guy, and the spirit said to him, go over and join this chariot. He's attentive to the leading of the spirit, and so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said to him, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Right? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Right? He's even his—he he's, opens his mouth, right? He's speaking, 
these words are, are, are not his words. They're the words of the Holy Spirit. He enabled him to, 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 Holy Spirit said, go there. He went there. Holy Spirit said, see this guy, like talk with him, talk with him. And he asked him this question, now this is what I want you to say. He's like, and, and, and it says, and, and they were going along the road. They came to the water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariots to stop, and they both went down into water, Philip and the eunuch, and he was baptized. This is an amazing story, right? Imagine, Holy Spirit, go there. You go there. There's this guy. Just talk to him. You talk to him. And he asks you questions. Who is this talking about? Jesus. And all of a sudden, you're baptizing him in the, in the, in the river, right? That's amazing. But it doesn't end there, right? And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. He was attentive to the Spirit, and all of a sudden he goes on this amazing adventure with the Holy Spirit. He's like, go over there, talk to this guy. And the guy asks him a question, say this about Jesus. And all of a sudden he's saved, and he gets baptized. And then just to show Philip that this is the Spirit of God, he teleports him. Gone. The Ethiopian eunuch is like, where'd he go? He just goes on really, and all of a sudden he finds himself in another city, and then he's doing the same thing, preaching the gospel from city after city until he gets to Caesarea. The Holy Spirit is not boring. The Holy Spirit has adventures for us. He He is our comforter. He is He is the one that sits by our side. We used to go on mission trips with our church all around the world. All right, we flew to the Philippines. Mina's been to like a bunch of countries. I've been to the Philippines, Bangladesh. India, uh, all these different countries, Indonesia. And every time we would go on these missions, we would have amazing testimonies that would come back. Some of them would be supernatural. We were in Bangladesh, and I remember this one time, we had like 150 to 200 kids that wanted candy from us. But we had this tiny bag, not a tiny bag, it was like a bag of candy, but we looked at the kids and we're like, hey, there's no way that we're going to give a candy to all of these kids with this bag. We had like four bags of like little Korean candies. But they're like, but they're like, candy! And then, then, then the pastor's like, line up, and they will give you candy. And we're like, oh, no, right? And then we prayed. We're like, God, we pray that you will multiply this candy in Jesus' name so that all the kids could have a piece of candy. So we started giving out candy. You know what? At the end of the day, we had leftover candy. It felt like none of the candy had gone away. We, when we first looked at we saw like five bags of candy. A Korean candy bag has maybe about like 30 pieces of candy inside. I guarantee you, at the end, we still had like three bags of candy. It was amazing. We had people that can't walk, are in a wheelchair. We pray, people pray for them. All of a sudden, they run down the stairs and they go up, walking and running down, down the street. These amazing things would happen when we go on admission trips. But then all of a sudden, they don't happen so much when we come here into like uh, the city. Right? And I believe that it's because we, we're, in the, we're in our comfort zone. We have our TVs. We have our internet. We have our phones, we have our nice clothes, we have our friends, we have our co-workers, and all of a sudden there's all these distractions around us. We can't be in tune with the Holy Spirit. We can't hear the Holy Spirit. right? He wants to tell us to do certain things that we, we don't hear, but when we go out in the mission field, we're in tune. We're praying every night. We go there, and we're, we're there on a mission. And all of a sudden, we're more in tune to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has amazing plans. So we've done some amazing things on our mission trip, and one of the first things that I want to bring back to our churches, I want us to go on missions again. Because we would do and see amazing things. Right? One story, this is this is kind of this is kind of weird, but we went to in the Philippines, we went to like the most primitive part of the Philippines. We had to walk 
an hour and a half into the mountain, right? We got there. It took three hours to drive in these jeepneys. I don't know if you've ever been to the Philippines, but they have these old GMT trucks that turn into little buses. And we ride a jeepney three hours into the base of this mountain. No one's around. We have to climb up this mountain. And the, they, they lie to us. They say, oh, it will take three hours. So we're ready for three hours of hiking. And we get there an hour and a half. And they're like, ha, ha, ha. But it wasn't as hard now, right? Because mentally, we're thinking three hours. We get there an hour and a half. We get to this village. And they're just like, they're just primitive. They still have like bow and arrows. Right? A lot of them, you know, they're, they're just like primitive people. And then we go there and we preach the gospel. They slaughter a pig for us at four in the morning, wakes us up. We thought we were going to die. Four in the morning, we're sleeping in this like wooden house and we are, we're like, what's going on? And they're like slowly killing a pig outside so they can feed us in the morning, right? But then what happened is we had this revival service that night, and all of this, like, it was, like, so dark that they only had one electric light that was ran on a generator. And we're, we're praying for them, and, then, and uh, all these people are just, like, coming to us with all these infirmities. They can't go to doctors, right? And we pray for them. But there was this woman who said that I cannot, the translator told, this is one of our Australian buddies that would join us on our mission field. He said, he said uh, our, our, this woman cannot breastfeed because like milk doesn't come out of her, her her breast and then and then the he's he's like a single guy he doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't, so he just prays for her right and then and then she's like and then they're like oh, how do you feel and all of a sudden she takes out her her thing and then she squeezes it and the milk shoots out i'm not even kidding you can't make this up right this happened right Holy Spirit has amazing stories that he wants to write in your life, right? This kind of stuff happens because there's so much faith in that kind of atmosphere. When you have that kind of faith and that kind of atmosphere, you're just in Holy Spirit. It's like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to show you guys what I'm capable of. It means that we have to have his attention. When we have his attention and when we are attentive to him, amazing things can happen. He can do amazing things through us. Being in friendship, a fellowship with the Holy Spirit means we are attentive to Him because He is attentive to us. He has special times that He has set aside for us to experience with Him. Right? And last is fellowship means affection. Right? Holy Spirit loves us because He is the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is love. Right? God is love. Romans 8, 15-16 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Our Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Holy Spirit declares in us that we are the children of God, that we are loved by God. And fellowship with the Holy Spirit means we receive this love from Him, and then we, in turn, we love the Holy Spirit. We give Him our affection. People talk about, oh, they love God, they love Jesus. But how many people do we see that say we love the Holy Spirit? We're going to talk more about this in the next sermon. But intimacy with the Holy Spirit, right? When we talk about intimacy, but Holy Spirit is a gentleman, right? He's not, he never pushes us. He always leads us, right? He doesn't force himself upon us. And the way that we increase his involvement in us is to acknowledge him. We talk about him. We show our affection for Him. We invite Him. He's a person of the Godhead and He is worthy of our affection and our praise. 
So we talked about fellowship with God. Right? It means communication. It means being in tune, right? talking to him, loving him, being attentive to him, right? knowing that he is by our side and looking to him for guidance. Right? That's fellowship. Now the next definition of the word koinonia I want to talk about, and we're going to close with this, is partnership. Holy Spirit desires to partner with us. 1 Corinthians 3.9, in the King James Version, it says, for we are laborers together with God. Other versions says that we are fellow workers for and with God. I work for God and I work with God. God wants His will to be done, but He wants to do it with us in partnership. We see it all through the book of Acts, where the apostles partner with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will say, come and go do this, and they do this, and these amazing things would happen. We see this mirrored in the Old Testament, right? God goes to Abraham in the Terabith trees, right? And God tells Abraham, you know, they come first as these three men, but we later realize that it is God himself, right? And God talks to Abraham whether he should destroy these cities or not, Sodom and Gomorrah. Should we, it basically, he, he wants Abraham's opinion. And Abraham is like, well, if you find 50 righteous men in that city, will you destroy it? He's like, no. And then Abraham does this like auction. He's like, well, what about 45? God's like, no, I will not destroy it. What about 40? He's like, no, I will not destroy it. What about 30? He's like, I will not destroy it. If 30 righteous men are found in the city, what about 20? All right, 20 righteous men, I will not destroy the city. Like, what about 10? And you see this dialogue that Moses, um, Abraham has with God, right? where God actually partners with him in, 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 in this thing of like destroying the city. Like, like, he doesn't want his city. Lot lives there. His nephew lives there, right? We see it in Moses multiple times in the Old Testament where God actually changes his mind because of the way that Moses responds to him. There was a partnership between God and these men. There was covenant. Right? Covenant is partnership. When Abraham and God made a God made a covenant with Abraham, he's like, Abraham, I am all in on you. I'm, I'm going to give you and everything. I'm going to be with you everywhere so that you can fulfill the, the destiny that I have for you, but it also means that you have to be all in on me. You have to be completely on my side. Right? That's, that's a partnership. There was a partnership between God and these men. Well, now in the New Covenant, we have the Spirit of God, and He partners with us. He partners with us to do the will of God upon this earth. Because the Holy Spirit, if He wanted to do everything, He could do everything. He is the creator. He was, he's the finger of God, right? God, the Spirit of God was upon this earth. And David said that, that the Spirit, the finger of God that placed the, the, the moons and the stars in the sky, He created this earth. If Holy Spirit wanted to establish the kingdom of God upon this earth, He could do it. Nothing stops Him from doing it. He's the finger of God that manifests the will of God. He could do it all. And yet, he, He's here on earth and He says He wants to do it with us. He wants to use us to establish the kingdom. First Corinthians 3.9, I read it earlier. This is another version of it. It says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. You're the host of God. The presence of God re- remains in you. Holy Spirit resides in us permanently so we can partner with him in fellowship to do God's will upon this earth. Do you guys see how awesome this is, right? This should set us apart in our identity. Your identity doesn't come from the work you do. 
Your identity doesn't come from the amount of money you make. Your identity doesn't come from how popular you are or how, you know, like, you know, how famous you get, how much prestige that you have, what you own. Your identity does not come from anything upon this. Your identity comes from the fact that the Holy Spirit of God wants to partner with you to bring God's kingdom upon this earth. That is your identity. Acts 20, 28. Pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. The Holy Spirit makes you overseers. He's not talking about the apostles. He's not talking about the pastors. He's talking about the elders of the church. In essence, he's talking about you guys. If you get really involved in this church, God's saying, He he ordains you. He makes you overseers of the church of God. He partners with us. Acts 13.2 While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Holy Spirit partners with the people of God. So many people treat the Holy Spirit as a means to get what they want. They treat the Holy Spirit as a means to get or hear what they want to hear. But it's about partnership. Us coming together with the Holy Spirit. We submit to Him. We surrender to Him so that He partners with us to do the will of God. That's awesome. That is incredible. But so many times we ignore, we ignore the Holy Spirit. We ignore Him. We're very like, you know, we have like very specific attention. When we need something, Holy Spirit. But then when, we're, when we feel like we're comfortable on our own, we just ignore Him. It's like my kids treat me. When they have what they want, they're all about me. All of a sudden, when they, when they you know, like they're doing their own thing, and I tell them to do something, just, I'm, I'm like the invisible man. I don't, they can't hear me. Watching TV, playing with their toys. A lot of times we do that. We're in our career, we're in our family, we're doing this, we're doing that. The Holy Spirit is constantly wanting to be with us, to partner with us. Here's the thing, Holy Spirit is about more than just fellowship and partnership, but He's about intimacy. We're going to talk about that in our next sermon. Being intimate with the Spirit of God. We'll talk about that next time. Let's all stand up and let's close with prayer.